It's lunchtime at Tim Hortons, and we're serving up a special deal just for you. Our new $5.99 lunch deal includes your choice of any lunch sandwich and a side of crunchy kettle chips. Because what's lunch without a little crunch? And the sandwich choice is all yours, like a ham and Swiss, Chipotle chicken wrap, BLT, and more. Made to order just the way you like it. Tim Hortons' new lunch deal. Simple, delicious, and just $5.99. Now that's a good deal. Only at your neighborhood Tim's. U.S. only. Price and participation vary. Terms apply. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 437 of the Professional Book Nerds podcast presented by Overdrive. Uh, this is just Adam for the introduction, but the episode is a interview that Jill and I did with Lauren Miracle, who has a new book out called This Boy. Uh, this is a really fun and interesting conversation. It was early on during uh, all this quarantine stuff, and... Uh, we were all kind of adjusting to life in our homes, more or less, and figuring out how to be productive and um, how to have some sense of normalcy. Uh, I said earlier, uh, last week or rather, um, these recordings have kind of become my favorite part of the week because I get to interact with people uh, in a unique way. Um, you know, I'm at home with my wife and we have been having us a blast uh, hanging out with our dogs and each other and watching movies and stuff, but like we, you know, can have similar conversations, you know, as long as so much to talk about for, uh, 30 plus days or however long it's been, um, you know, look what the dog did this time. But, uh, when we talked with Lauren, it was just really, really fun to experience or rather see how she's experiencing the quarantine and how she's getting work done and how she's remaining productive. Uh, Lauren writes a lot of phenomenal middle and middle grade and young adult books. Um, her young adult books, uh, she's, written that are pretty well known are she has a series of books uh ttyl ttfn later gator and yolo um she's written just a ton of best-selling books and it's interesting because she has teenage children so we talked about writing for teenage people or writing teenage people into her stories rather uh, and experiencing you know having those people in her life on a day-to-day basis um and we also just talked a lot about having teenage children it was just a really fun experience she's hilarious um can't wait for you guys to check this out her her new book i mentioned is called this boy and i think you're really gonna like it so uh we did this over zoom and it was just jill and myself and lauren giggling a lot and having a really really good time so i think you guys will enjoy it um, if you want to get a hold of us you can always go to professionalbooknerds.com you can find us on twitter and instagram at professionalbooknerds at overdrive.com. I know a lot of people have reached out uh, over social media lately. We've been trying to be pretty active with some fun templates and um, content for you to, to stay a little bit entertained for a little while. So um, making sure that we're getting you guys as much stuff as we can, um, you know, just trying to help keep you guys a little bit entertained. Um, also, we got a couple of emails over the past couple of days that have been really, really sweet. Um, we've had people tell us just that they really appreciate the podcast and that, um, you know, what we're doing is sort of helping them out. Um, we got one inter- or we got one email from, um, I believe the listener's name was Haley. I didn't have it pulled up, but, um, she was telling us that she is basically on the front lines of helping test people for COVID and helping trying to find a cure. And, um, it was really, really inspiring. Um, I actually just pulled it up as we were talking here. Uh, Haley said, this is just a brief note to say, thank you. The world's been through some dark times lately and you two are always so positive and bright as a person who is working in a lab to help get COVID-19 testing to patients. Your podcast always helps me get through the day. So, um, that was very, very sweet of Haley. We really appreciate it. Um, we got another one from Peggy that said, thanks so much for all the the group book recommendations you're doing lately. I have also been finding myself having a hard time concentrating, so this is really, really helpful. Um, she also told us that her particular library didn't have the Roxy letters available, so she was able to find it really, really cheap online, which is wonderful. And she said that if you're a fan of mythology like I am, uh, you should get the audiobook Mythos by Stephen Fry, which is read by the author. Stephen Fry is one of the best narrators out there, so I'm definitely going to check that out. So. Uh, thank you, Haley and Peggy. And said getting a lot of messages like this, but I just want to highlight a few for you guys. Um, okay, I think that's just about everything. Uh, we will be back on Thursday with 
another, I'm sure, group of recommendations. You guys seem to really be enjoying those, so happy to provide them. And we've been trying really hard to bring different people onto the podcast um, just to get different perspectives and some different recommendations. So uh, that's just about everything. I'll let you guys get to our conversation with Lauren Miracle on the Professional Book Nerds Podcast. I told uh, the interview I did earlier today, I, I feel like this is going to be a little bit different than normally what we do. Yeah. Like, obviously, we're all in different places. And um, I feel like with everything going on right now, like one, Zoom starts recording as soon as I start. So like mm-hmm. I can choose to keep any bits of this that we want. Probably not the parts where we're showing animals because it's yeah. <laughs> video. Um, but we usually like do an introduction, but Jill and I also record introductions before, like to do for the actual yeah, episode. So she and I can like do like the full introduction. So we can kind of just like start talking. Like I, this is obvious, like everyone is experiencing. Yeah. Yeah. It's new, new for all of us. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, I feel like we can talk about how everything's going and the fact yeah. that you write for teens and teens are going through this too in a very different mm-hmm. way yeah I just um oh I just got a text I just got your text um <laughs> I figured it out <laughs> yeah I, I just feel like we could just kind of have like just a, I mean most of our interviews are just like conversations. Ooh, let's just right. chill out and talk yeah good. um so I guess just like first like how is all of this going <laughs> for you uh, I don't know I'm I know that some people are really struggling with being isolated. Um, That is not my problem because I've got three teenage girls in the house with us and my husband as well. And golly, I feel maybe you've heard some, had some of your other writers say this too, but my job is already sitting at home and writing and, and then, you know, I miss, of course I miss being social and going to the gym and going to restaurants, but I feel really bad for the kids because how, how how hard to be separated from your cohort mm-hmm. and your friends and oh oh just we've been doing karaoke and nice. Xbox TV and trying to watch movies together and you know we're doing our best yeah I um J- Jill knows that Jill is like my market research for um, my wife and I don't yeah <laughs> where she just gave me a face we're um <laughs> my wife and I want to buy a Nintendo Switch yeah do need something to do I told him yeah this is the time or an oculus if either of you guys so the oculus is something else that the kids really like and it's active too because then they do beat saver or something like that and they're like sore the next day so that's good like I was I haven't owned a um a gaming console in a while so I was like asking Jill all these questions I was like okay I want to switch what to, I think I said. What do I do? How do I play it? Okay, yeah. yeah, this was like my first like old person moment. I was like, how do I switch? What do I do? <laughs> Welcome to it. I I mean, yes. I I still so clearly remember being the young person who understood everything and had to explain it to my parents. And it's so weird to now be the parent and to asking my kids, you know, what certain words mean and what are these different things that are going on and. You know, I keep I, one thing I always want to say to them, and I do, is I'm still the same person. I just, you know, I'm older version than <laughs> I used to be. So, um, and I also think another one other good thing. This is probably true for y'all too. Is um, we're all readers, and I feel like as long as I have books, I'm truly okay. You know, like that would be a disaster to not have a book around. Yeah, actually, yeah, so for sure. the difference between Jill and I when it comes like. She, you and you can and not to speak for you you can confirm if i'm saying this accurately joe will like read when something is stressful she'll like lean into uh, it and i will not yeah. only will i not lean into it i'll like jump out the window the other way um and i for a while here i've been struggling reading jill are you like how are you the last couple of days we haven't really talked oh wait so wait hold on adam you're struggling reading because i just because you're reading, it's the you same thing like writing i'm struggling being productive okay so it's just like it's hard getting your head focused on anything kind of yeah i'm finding myself when i'm not doing work or with the dogs or cooking or running like i'm 
finding meanless, meaningless thing or like mindless things to do. Uh-huh. Like I can look at roller coaster tycoon on my phone. Um, yeah, that kind of stuff. Like I'm finding mindless things so that I don't have to focus. But like, that's you know, interesting. What, what about you guys? So, <laughs> yes, I lean into things. Uh, so a couple weeks ago, like last week, I think it was the week before when all this really started to hit here. Um, I started checking out all of these nonfiction books about epidemics and pandemics. <laughs> Just, I'm like, that sounds like really great stuff to read right now. And um, this week I have been reading The Hunger Games. I finished, uh, I mean, I read them before, but I'm rereading them. Um, yeah, right now, YA dystopia novels sound great. And I, it's just how my brain works. I'm like, let's just go with it, you know? So, yeah, cool. So I finished well, Catching Fire yesterday and I started uh, Mocking Jay. Again, I've read them before. It's just been a okay, long time. Yeah. 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 What about you? Well, I don't have, so Adam, I hear, I mean, I hear what you're saying from a lot of people that they're like, you know, they can't settle down and get anything done. Um, Ah, it's such a routine for me that I do fall into it pretty easily. Plus there's deadlines and deadlines. I, I, I don't ever want to be the bad girl. I don't ever want to not make a deadline. And so that pressure works for me. And then the other thing that has been a life-saving interaction is that, so I write the Upside Down Magic series with Sarah Milanovsky and Emily Jenkins. And so we've, and we have another book due. And so we've been getting online and having calls every day at the same time to brainstorm. And so it's also, so the first part of the call is always kind of unpack what, what are the latest horrible things that are, you know, or scary things that are going on. And then we write and it's being creative and it's like this hive mind. And so that, that keeps me alive. And I guess, you know, I actually want to, I actually have a question sort of related to that because you do write upside down magic, but then you also have books that are set in like, not magic worlds. Um, And I've seen a lot of conversations with writers online who are struggling with this idea of writing contemporary books set in our reality that don't involve this. Do you know what I mean? Like all of the books that have, that are like being published right now are already sort of in this like alternate timeline (laughs) because this is not a part of it. And so I can see how having like a magical related book is, is a good escape because um, you don't really have to think about that part of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I've seen those conversations too. Um, you know, the idea that are we already writing historical fiction, everything that we just came out, but I, I kind of right. think that my, my prediction is that somebody will write some really awesome stories about specifically this um, time. But then other than that, I do think there's going to resume a normal and there's going to be, you know, the, the things that are interesting are still relationships and human interactions and sitting around being sick is not a great, or, you know, sitting around being isolated doesn't right. mean talk about no plot. I mean, God, <laughs> that would be really hard, you know? And then I sat at my desk for some long, for longer. <laughs> so I, I'm an optimist. I think it's all going to be okay. And even if it's not, I guess I'd still want to read the books, you know, about, about people going through it in like a weird way i i feel like the isolation that we're all going through right now is sort of related to especially like like jill said about writing books in like a contemporary world like like this boy or the the book that yeah. we was supposed to be talking about but we're discussing <laughs> um I, I feel like when i was in high school i was i've always been kind of half and half extrovert and introvert like Yes. I'm very extroverted when I'm interacting with people, but then yes. secretly this time has not been that hard for me because I can just sit with my wife and watch movies and stuff. But in high school, I did feel, I went to a really small high school and like everyone knew everyone, but I always had that feeling of wanting to be slightly different than I was. I wanted to be like the successful soccer player. I wanted to be like the class president or whatever it was. And so it did have this like isolating feeling. So I can imagine teens are having a, a different type of emotion than they normally would, but it is still very much, there's so many emotions when you're at being a teenager. Like I imagine there's some through line or similarity between what they're feeling right now away from their friends and what they might be feeling depending on their- Yeah, yeah that's really, yeah, but especially since for teen, or for all of us, our identity is often what we see reflected back to us from the people that we interact with. 
And it, it makes me wonder, maybe there's, um, you know, maybe the kids who are introverts or loners or even just awkward because for whatever reason, maybe this is a bit of a, a relief a little bit. I mean, not if it goes on forever, you know, I wonder that's, and, and the kids who need other kids to be around, I don't know. It would be lovely to think that it'll lead to all kinds of self-reflection and that when everybody goes back, everybody will be one big happy family. I know that's not going to happen, but you know, yeah. I do think that there will be stuff that is written during this time. Like, like you both said, there will certainly be stuff that's like pandemic love stories and the wall cringe when we see them. Yeah. But <laughs> I, I think there is also going to be books that are very introspective about not so much experiencing what's happening. Like, I feel like there's going to be layers. Like there's going to be an initial wave of like coronavirus type and there's one of my dogs coronavirus type stories and then there'll be others that are like the emotional aspects of what's going on right now yeah and also probably cool and good essays about what does it say about our society how can our i mean i'm sure that there's going to continue to be cool shifts in the way that people mm -hmm. figure out how to like i have um cocktail set up for tomorrow night and then the next night with with friends you know that it'll be like this kind of thing um and just clever ways that people find of reaching out and still being together um jill have you been doing that too we found i we like skyped slash zoomed with friends for like three yeah. last week oh nice yeah, um, uh, we actually have, so I have a, a large family in terms of aunts, uncles, and cousins, and we have, we're all spread out across the country, but we have a Zoom, like, family reunion type thing planned for tomorrow night um, with all of us on there. And my sister made a joke about how this is probably the easiest family reunion she has ever, like, we've ever yep. tried to Logistic. coordinate. <laughs> Just logistically trying to get all of our family together is impossible. Yeah. Um, and there's an app I use called Marco Polo, which is sort of like little, I don't know how to describe it. Um, it's like it, like text message videos. You can kind of go back and forth. So it's not in real time. You kind of leave them individually. Um, and I've seen a lot more people, like friends, start joining that, I think, because uh -huh. they're realizing it's a good way to connect with people. And one of them is a cousin of mine that I've not talked to uh, we were really close when we were little, but I haven't yeah. talked to you in a while. And then last night I got a notification that she's on and we were, we're already sort of chatting back and forth. So that, that's yeah, that's been cool. one odd benefit. <laughs> yeah. You know, I, I've got a big family too. I've got um, six brothers and sisters. And again, they're all over the country and that's a good idea. I'm going to, I'll suggest that to them. I think the biggest hurdle would be getting them all to download Zoom. But, you know, they can do that. It's not that hard. Well, I I think, at least I know for Skype, you don't need to have the app. This, people can just send you links. And I, I don't know if Zoom, I mean, I use Zoom on our computer, so I don't know if you need if you actually need the app or not. But... Um, yeah, I don't know either. I, it, I know that, yeah, I don't know. But like like you guys said, I've, I have um, I have three siblings, and I'm the youngest of four, and they two of them have, have kids. And one of them has four kids, and she's teaching them right now all of them yes oh, God. Oh, oh. but i would say like a weird benefit of all this is despite being really really close to all my siblings like much like anyone else I'll, i would go like a week without talking to my sister who has four kids because life yeah. happens yeah and a weird thing about this is like even if we don't have anything to talk about we face you check in you just check in yeah yeah we facetime every single day and like she'll tell me about the cincinnati zoo the animal that they live streamed that afternoon with one of her boys or like show me all of the chalk messages that her kids are leaving the mailman like just like they're just oh, little that's nice. yeah um for your having three teenage daughters home two parts first <laughs> how's that going and also like are are any of them like graduation age yep 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 one of them so my family is complicated um i my husband and I were both married before and we both had kids or so we've got a blended family. And so the kids have this, it's called a, a 2255 schedule, but it just is, it helps how they go back and forth between the parents. Mm -hmm. And I also have two sons. One son is a 911 dispatcher. So he's one of those guys who um, is going to go to work regardless yeah. and, and has to go to work regardless. So he's, and he doesn't live with us anymore. 
And then my other son is 19 and he's with his dad right now. But so it's just, I don't, it, so yes, we've ended up with the three girls kind of because that's just how it worked out. I think one thing that my, that Randy and I noticed, Randy's my husband, is that they get silly together in a way that they didn't before. It's like they, at least they have some people mm-hmm. to hang out with and to be social with. And, and I think that, you know, there's kind of a, a lessening of the anxiety when they all gather up. But the, ho- the school part, ew, I mean, you know, <laughs> I don't want to do their homework. I don't want to help them do their homework. I don't want to have anything to do with it. And every single teacher is emailing us to let us know. And I'm like, I, I, that, no, thank you. I already did it. I'm good. So I, <laughs> do they feel like, well, our mom's a, an author. Like, I feel like... Yeah. <laughs> Well, the sad part, no, they don't feel any, they, only one out of all five kids is a a reader, like an addict reader, like I'm sure the three of us are, and um, yeah, so, I mean, they, they think I've got an interesting job, but mainly I think to them it means that I'm accessible all the time, you know, which is, (laughs) which is tricky, (laughs) so that's been hard too, is trying to explain to my daughter that, you know, sweetie, this is what my day is. Sorry, I've still got to work. This is what my day looks like. You know, I can take a break at this time and we can watch a show together, but yeah. That's really, really funny. Um, are, so I would imagine having teenage kids is probably helpful for writing in those voices. Cause like in this boy, like you write like a teenage boy would talk, which this is a compliment, but it's weird. Like I was, wasn't expecting it. It's so rare to read a. a I'm book. so happy you said that, Adam. The guys, re- guys reading it, it always scares me because, I mean, my point, my perspective on fiction, and there's all these debates, you know, but is that that is the whole point is to imagine and to put yourself into somebody else's head and somebody else's life, and the the teenage thing definitely. So I I pretty much just. So I've thought about this too, that when I first started writing, so I started writing when I was, I've always written, but I started writing when I was 21, didn't get anything accepted for publication until I was 29. And so I still had my own adolescence and my own childhood to, to mine for, for a while. And then as, as it's, my own kids became interesting and, you know, got to be tweens and teens. Yeah, I totally having them around me all the time. I don't know how else you could stay connected to teenage culture if you weren't involved with them in some way. Mm-hmm. And so my my son, who's now 19, the way Paul talks is the way that he talks. And I would seriously just mm-hmm. write down the things that he would say sometimes and, and the patterns and the rhythms and the, the weird, you know, like skirt was a new verb for me. Got a skirt, mom, you know, <laughs> it's not, I know it's not, a, I know all the kids will be like, yeah, that's an obvious one. That's really dumb, but yeah. <laughs> and then I had to ask my daughter what a, I'm not going to say it right. She still tells me I can't say it right. A shoddy, a shorty. <laughs> can't do it. Shoddy? Yes. Thank you, Adam. Yeah. I was like, what is that? What the heck is that? And then anyway, and she was with her boyfriend and they both started laughing. And then, and then they say, mom, just don't even, you can't say it. You just can't do it. So. <laughs> but I mean, you have number one New York Times bestselling author next to your name. Like there's some cred there. <laughs> yeah, but not to my own children and not when it comes to saying shorty in the new way that is spelled S-H-A-W-T-Y, <laughs> which you can do and I can't, apparently. <laughs> I just thought you got to remove the R. Okay, yeah, shorty? No. Try it again. Teach me. Shorty. Shorty. <laughs> you just took the R out, shorty. See? Shorty? Yeah. <laughs> It's like there's a soft, oh my God, there's so many people listening right now, like these three. Shawty, 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 shorty, shawty, all right, yeah, whatever. Shawty. Like soft W. Yeah, and they have to get the W. Oh, okay, yeah. like shoddy? Nope, now it sounds like shoddy, like S-H-O-D-D-Y. All right, you know what? Onward, uh, Christian soldiers. <laughs> well, so you said your kids aren't really readers. Have they read your books? I mean, do they read your books? Oh. Isn't that so sad? <laughs> I mean, again, my twenty, my twenty-one year old has read every single book, and he's awesome. They are all awesome. My nineteen-year-old um, would fall asleep for years. So the Winnie book, I have these books called the Winnie Years, and it's about a girl who's first she's eleven, then she's twelve. You know, and the audio voice for that is the 
the narrator is a woman who does Princess Peach in, in the Mario world, and Ooh. she's amazing. And so that, that son would listen to the audiobooks of, of those over and over and over. So he knows those stories, but he never read them. He just heard them. And yeah. It, yeah, it's weird. I, you think you might want to read something your parent wrote, but then it meant, then again, maybe you would totally not want to read something your parent wrote, especially if it's about teenagers. Like maybe that kind of gets into the whole not wanting to have your parents have sex kind of territory. Mm. I mean, you do open this book with like with they're in the they're in a bathroom. Like they're <laughs> I can understand where teenage girls might not want. To, but I was just going to say, you said the audiobooks. That's what I would suggest to them is like, and obviously yeah. we work for a company yeah. that does ebooks and audiobooks. So, so yeah. promoting. But I, that's how I do. That's actually been one of the weirdest things about our current situation is I'm never in my car and I'm very rarely away from my wife. So, like, my audiobook listening has gone down because yeah. we'll take our dogs for walks and but we're together yeah. so it'd be weird to have headphones in we're together no it's not no that is exact so let me correct you no so yeah i've always <laughs> i have an audiobook on all the time it's never music in the car unless my kids are in it and then they steal the phone and they put on their rap music and or their k-pop and anyway um but for me it's audible stories all the time it's just audio and when randy and i walk and we walk every day we totally i don't want to I mean I love him, but I can chat with him in the house, you know? So we just, we totally have our phones and our headphones mm. and we walk and we hold hands, but I, it makes me want to take walks and take long walks so I can hear more of the story. That's really cute. You should try it. You really? give it a shot. Uh, well, so we're, we're walking two dogs and one of them wants- Barks. Well, yes, as, as, you, as you know. No, the, the younger of the two, who is seven, he's not young. He wants to take on the world. Like, he wants to sniff and go. Yeah, and yeah. Go and go. No, you're right. You're right. That would be too much. That would be distraction. I've got like, one of those dogs, too. Yeah. Right. We, sometimes we'll do, yeah. like, alone, like, self-walks with the two of them. But yeah. Yeah. So the, the teen girls, not audiobook listeners, though? No. They are just Snapchat users and TikTok users. It's very sad. <laughs> Except for they're pretty cute. Um, and then I've got my oldest stepdaughter is very, 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 yeah. And so she's a senior in high school. And yes, she's really disappointed to not have graduation and not to have a lot of the senior rituals she was looking forward to. But she's very, very focused on math and science and STEM kind of stuff. And so she doesn't do the social media stuff that the other two girls does, but she's got her own, you know, she watches the DC, you know, shows about The Flash or Supergirl or stuff like that. Nobody listens to audiobooks. I keep telling them how great they are. So wait, she'll watch the shows about the comics. <laughs> yep. She won't read the book that her mother wrote about <laughs> Well, first of all, big distinction, especially for this particular daughter she's a stepdaughter so I'm her stepmom so I'm oh, not her okay. mom and that is very much part of right now her dynamic toward me she looked at the pictures and thought they looked cool you know I mean, I, mean, so I know <laughs> yeah and they are just a quick shout out to Isaac Goodhart he is phenomenal if you guys have seen his art and under the moon and we're working on a new one now um, about Mr. Freeze so Ooh. it's the story yeah and he's just he's amazing he's incredible um, something I know Jill and I were both talking about kind of before you hopped on is like, how does it feel to write books, graphic novels, stories, anything in worlds that already exist? Like, uh, yeah. Does it feel? No, I probably, yeah. Well, all right, so I was just talking to a writer friend about this because he was wondering if he should take on, he had pitched a project to DC and he was wanting to know what the experience was like for me. And, and I told him there's so many good things about it. And, and the biggest of the good things being that the collaboration and seeing the art come out. But I, I didn't realize this I, until I was promoting Under the Moon. The books don't feel like my children, you know? Like these stories are somebody else's stories and they belong to some, even though I totally created, you know, my backstory for Selena and my um, you know, supporting cast for her, 
they, they do feel they, they live in a different part of my heart. And I didn't, I didn't know that would happen. So I'm, I mean, does that make sense? I'm totally still invested in them when I'm writing them and I care about them very much, but I see them more as an artifact apart from me, as opposed to like, if I look at this boy or shine or 11, I'm like, Oh yeah, this is me. This is my heart on paper, you know? No, I think that makes sense. It's, you know, you didn't necessarily create them. And so the sense of ownership would be different. That makes sense to me. Yeah. Well, and also there's so many comic book fanatics. And so the characters belong to them too, you know? And so like, I know that any characters in any book, once it's out in the world, the readers, they, they get to interpret those characters however they want. And so it, I know that some of my characters hopefully live on in people's heads, but the way that comic book characters live on is just a whole different thing, you know? So it's kind of like, it's, they're the world's characters. Is there, does it feel like there's a different type of pressure to write with that existing audience of, I mean, I don't know if you guys know this, but comic book readers aren't exactly the most chill people. <laughs> um, yeah, no. like, does it feel like there, like there is a, like, like a lot of like, oh man, if I get this character wrong type of- No, I don't worry about that. I mean, so I have a, I'm, I, what's the term for it? I'm not risk averse. I, I, oof, probably have the person that might, <laughs> my psychiatrist was just telling me that I'm pretty much a classic profile of, um, of an addict. I'm not an addict to anything. I'm not addicted, but, but I've got this itch inside of me all the time. And, and he said that he, that he's done a, been a, in all of his addiction research, it seems like the people who fall into those patterns, um, like risk, like exhilaration, like trying new things, and that they have this kind of feeling of not ever being quite satisfied in their brain. And so, which is to, to loop back around to the comic books, I don't really, I, I'm, I want everybody to like my stories, of course, but not everybody is going to, and I don't care about that. Because I don't want it to sound rude. I mean, I, I like the people, but I don't care if they don't like it. That's fine. I, and other than that, I just don't check the comic book boards. I mean, I'm sure people have said shit about me. I'm sure. I'm a woman. I'm not a comic book nerd. But too bad, you know. I, no, I feel like that's, you have to have that attitude. Like, I am definitely someone who, like, thrive, I wish I was a book. I thrive on the approval of others. I know that. And, like, uh -huh. I can say that I'm not, but then I can do something that, like, pisses off one of my siblings, even if I'm in the right, and then I'll be like, I feel like I should probably check with them. To see oh, totally. Oh, well, that's true for me too. Absolutely. With people in my real world, mm. but readers who I don't, you know, I mean, most of us have learned, most of my writer friends, you never go on Goodreads. You never read your reviews because first of all, they're, they're not really reviews when they're on Goodreads. There's, it's somebody's this is what I thought about it, but you know, it's not a review in, in the way that we think of reviews as, um, as a, as a piece of kind of critical thinking and, and people are just freaking mean. And so, and they say, they say things that are so personal. And so a big part of it too, is just stepping away from that conversation. But with anybody else in my, that I interact with, oh my gosh, yes, I'm just like you. I'm like, I cannot stand conflict. I cannot stand unresolved possible issues and it just uh yes joe what was the because joe's written two books you didn't two memoirs what was there is a review of the about yours i don't remember i don't remember what it was but it was something about your ability to swear and it was like my favorite thing anyone's ever said about anyone oh like, i don't remember but i got the first the first memoir i swear a lot and so there was definitely a lot of a lot of uh reviews on Goodreads related to that yeah something about like your ability to use colorful language it was something amazing like, I remember you showing me and I was like this is the best thing ever <laughs> well here's one for here's one of mine so I also have this series of books the internet girls books and first of all it's really funny the things that people get worked up about and for me what I found out that they get upset about is swearing and female sexuality, not violence, not male sexuality. Well, maybe, you know, we'll see with this boy because there's, there's some sexuality in there. Um, but I got, I, I, there was a review once that said, 
this is a war it actually went out as a warning to all parents and it said satan is in mist satan is in our company and her name is lauren miracle i was like oh my god i'm satan now i'm not satan so yeah Congrats. Uh, that's like a good twitter bio <laughs> <laughs> well yeah i you know people say like it's you know either be loved or hated it's the apathy that you don't want yeah 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 true totally my dad is always saying you know the whole any publicity is good publicity and so with the my books were banned he's like no this is great this is awesome and same with my editors and, and i felt you know how we were talking about approval the first time i found out that a book of mine had been was on the top 10 list of the most banned books in america i felt awful i thought my editor was going to be mad i was like oh my god what did i do and she's like no this is awesome this is fantastic it means you're telling the truth it's great to make people uncomfortable and you know it draws attention to the book so that's true. not wrong yeah that's true it's yeah. amazing yeah. um you mentioned being able to read like what are some of the things that you've been reading lately oof let's see what have i been reading lately so i love so i, I go i read um young adult I, I read everything and so i'm reading something right now by jen kalanita it hasn't come out yet but it's called retake and it's fabulous and I'm always reading Emily and Sarah's books. So they're usually their works in progress because we, we write, we act in supports for each other. A novel that I just finished was, um, do, 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 do. Okay. Y'all might help me with this, with this name. It's J.D. Okay. It's a new, she's, she's, she's a she, Tudor. Her last name is Tudor. J.D. Tudor, C.J. Tudor. Anyway, she wrote The Other People and Chalkman and something else and she's great she's amazing so I just I've raced through all of those and right now I'm reading the third of the four monkey killer books did you guys read the four monkey killer oh my god you have to you have to read them oh oof, they're so good all right if you like thrillers and you don't mind you know they're they're horrendous but they're delightful <laughs> CJ yeah, it is CJ Tudor. I yeah, yeah I read the chalk man and enjoyed it yeah I thought it was terrific mm -hmm. yeah um, Jill, do you have other stuff? Oh, and then another one that I, huh? Oh, no, go ahead. What were you saying? I was just going to say, another book that I've really, truly enjoyed recently was, and I don't remember the author, but The Flat Share, have either of y'all read The Flat Share? It's a grown-up book, and mm -hmm. it's a beautiful premise. It's just, it's, it's a British, it, it's, um, oof, I don't know, it, rom-com, I guess, but I don't know what term to use for a book, but the premise is a woman you're going to share this flat with a stranger because of financial reasons, but the man has a night shift, the woman has a day shift, so they never see each other. And they get past the weirdness and there's nothing creepy about it, but they start leaving each other notes, like little sticky notes. And first it just has to do with things like, you know, I ran out of milk, sorry. And then it becomes progressively more, you know, quirky and fun. And it reminded me a lot of, did y'all read Jacqueline Moriarty's she read one book that was all kind of told in notes back and forth. It was the one where the cover had a smiley face on a locker and it said somebody about dying. Somebody died. Yeah, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, um, something bright. You got, you're going to do it. You're going to come up with it. It's like somebody is a cute name, you know, like the girl's nickname, like, I don't know. I can't remember. I can't remember. Something else. I'm yeah. Something else. This is going to bother me. I might like look this up while we're talking. Please do. Yes. Uh -huh. um, the, like the death of... Or the death and rebirth, yes, of Bindi McKindy or something like that. It's gonna rhyme. There's oh, gonna be man. a Bindi in there. Let's see. This is good. Um, this is good podcasting. Uh, <laughs> it's fine. It's yeah, fine. I'll all this out. Um, I don't know. Man, she's written a lot of books. My goodness. She's amazing too. Just why? No, this is Jacqueline, her sister. Oh, that's what I was thinking of, Leanne Moore. And it's spelled, I believe, J-A-C-L-Y-N. And I don't think she's, yeah, I don't think she's written thousands, but so it's something about, I swear, Bendy McKenzie. Who yeah, killed Bendy McKenzie? Maybe. It's hard to this do. is exciting. Mm, yeah, I don't know. I'm going to have to find this. This is going to bother me. Um, I, I'm going to find it right now, but keep talking. I'll listen. Okay. Um, Jill, you want to do the nerd nine? Well, I can help. Uh, 
Yeah, I don't have them in front of me. So okay. well, I know the first one is you might have answered this already. So at the end of all of our episodes, we always do what we call the nerd nine, just because we like alliteration. Um, okay. So the first Wait, one. Hold on. Don't don't ask me yet because let me get this because I know you can go through and edit edit. I I'm sure, assuming yeah. you can edit things. Let yeah. me figure out the answer to this Jacqueline thing so that we can move on. God dang it! Why? Wait, here it is. The murder of Bindi McKenzie. Thank you. I got the Bindi part right. There was death in there somewhere. The murder of Bindi McKenzie. All right. Onward. The nerdly nine or whatever. Nerd nine. I would not have gotten that. Um, So you might have answered this. The the first one is, what's the last book you finished reading? Yeah, the last one would be The Other People by C.J. Tudor. How about what are you reading right now? We'll just like swap it out. It's called The Sixth Wicked Child. And it's the third in the Four Monkey Killer trilogy. I love psychological thrills. Um, Do you have a favorite place to read? Anywhere, everywhere. I don't, I mean, nope. People say don't read in your bedroom because you know, you're supposed to have the whole sleep hygiene thing. Of course I read in my bed. I read on planes, I read, yeah. I remember when I was little, my parents would say, you have to put your book down and go outside and play. And I wasn't allowed to read at the table. I wasn't allowed to read during dinner. So for me, for my kids, is you can't have your phone at the table. When I was a kid, it was, Lauren, you can't bring your book to the table. Um, do you remember, speaking of when you were a kid, do you remember the book that made you sort of fall in love with reading? Yeah, kind of, sort of. Yeah, uh, yeah, sure. I have two different answers. The first answer is I've absolutely loved the Ramona books by Beverly Cleary. And I've read them so many times and so many times. And I just recently found out that my dear friend, Sarah Mlanowski found them boring. And I almost had to unfriend her, but I'm not because she's lovely. But I was like, how can you find Ramona boring? She's fabulous. So those books were the ones were like the first books probably that I fell in love with. But the ones that made me think about writing, oh gosh, Ed, God, y'all are gonna have to tell Edward Eager that he wrote the magic, the the, um, the books about magic, like half magic, and so it, it was a magical world kind of thing. And he's a, I think he's a British guy. I think he's dead, and I think nobody in, that is listening to this will know who I'm talking about, <laughs> unless you're old, I guess. But those were great. Well, and neither do we. So yeah. Um, no. So we always, <laughs> we always ask this one, which feels weird to ask right now. But what's one place you like to travel that you have not yet been to? <laughs> That is an evil question. I know. All right. Well, hold on. And because I have traveled, I'm going <coughs> to To be fair, to be fair, Jill and I wrote these questions like four years ago. So. Yeah, 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 yeah. I'm just laughing because it is funny. And I was traveling right before um, the whole lockdown came. And of course, I can't get tested. But I've, I kind of think I might have it. And I would just, I would wish I could know for sure. But anyway... I was supposed to be in Marseille this whole week. So my Google calendar keeps saying, ding, Marseille. And I'm like, fuck off, calendar. And so <laughs> I guess I would be in, in Marseille, although I've been there before. And you said somewhere I've never been before. Oh, I have the answer to that too. One of those little huts that, did you guys read the book, Something in the Water? It was another thriller. It's fantastic. But in Bora Bora, where they have those little huts, Mm-hmm. And they stick up above the sea, and you just everybody gets to live in a little hut. That's where yeah. I want to go. That sounds like an excellent idea, especially okay. now. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, that would be a good place to be isolated. An easy way to social distance for sure. Yeah, really. Yeah, absolutely. Um, what is nope? What's your favorite holiday? That's the one. Favorite holiday. As a kid, I, I think my favorite is still going to come back to Christmas always because I, I love my family and I love all the rituals assumed with all that associated with it. So Christmas, because of the, for me, the warmth and joy that comes from that. But as a kid, I loved Halloween. I just loved everything about dressing up and going out in the middle of the night and yeah, worrying about razor blades and my apples. <laughs> Did Good you guys, point. were your parents worried about that? Am I so much older than y'all? I grew up in Atlanta during the time of the Atlanta child murders. And so it was a, it was a weird place to live. Yeah. I mean, my parents, I don't know if my parents ever really worried about that, but I do always remember people being like, watch for people putting drugs in your candy. And like now, yeah. like there's some stand-up comedian, I remember who it was, that they said something like, what? drug what person who's using drugs is going to be like you know what i'm going to do as a joke 
Like, and I was like, that's such a good point. Like, I, yeah. They didn't um, want to keep their stuff. They don't want to share it. <laughs> uh, are they, people are weird, though. You heard about that woman who went around coughing on all that food? And did you? Yeah. yeah. Yes. What, at, first yeah. I was really, at first, I was just playing pissed at her. And then I thought, wait a minute. Hold on. I don't know her story. She very well may have voices in her head and dealing with mental issues that are, are very real. To, you know, so, it, so I pulled back from hating her to thinking, I would like to know why she did that. And we probably will not know why she did that. But it's not a good idea. No. Saying, I'm just thinking, to get at, back to your point of, I think some people would share their drugs randomly in children's candy because people are weird. Maybe. I still think it's a little far-fetched, but it's okay. <laughs> Well, um, what you about, like at, at parties where people dose punch with with LSD. I guess that's true. That's a good yeah. point. Um, people, well, all right. Sorry. Yes. No, you're fine. This is what that's. This is why they're not rapid fire. It's because we get on tangents. Okay. Yeah. Are you a coffee person or a tea person? Yeah, neither. Dr Pepper. Oh. Wow. It's an it? excellent choice. That's but here's excellent something choice. that I found out recently. My husband is a coffee person and needs, you know thrives on it. And a lot of my friends are, maybe y'all are like, I've got to have my cup of coffee. I wish I, and, and I, coffee never did anything for me. And then I found out that there are fast caffeine metabolizers and slow caffeine metabolizers. And it has to do with your body chemistry. And I'm a slow caffeine metabolizer. So the cat, I don't, I don't get that rush. It doesn't make me feel awake. It doesn't make me feel anything. So. I just like the ritual of it. Like I love yeah. my I won't even call it my morning cup of coffee because it's my various cups of coffee throughout the day. Like I yeah. just like the ritual of it, I think. Mm -hmm. Well, hold on. What's your ritual? Just, well, not even so much like the ritual. Like, I don't do anything special, but I just like the idea of under normal circumstances, I am one of those, I drink a ton of water. And so, like, yeah. I will drink a ton of water before I go to work. And under normal circumstances, I'll have a cup of coffee while I'm driving to work. And it's like my favorite part uh -huh. of the day. You're talking about audio books before I'm listening yeah. to the book. I get to the office really, really early, so like it's dark, and I'm one of the few people on the street, and just like the ritual of like it's the my cup of coffee and the yeah, it's like my yeah, half yeah. hour to kind of prep for yeah. the day. Yeah, mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. Yeah. Um, if so it's yeah. Jill coffee or are you coffee or tea, Jill? Oh, coffee. Yeah. Okay. Coffee for sure. Yeah, that's one of the benefits to working from home through all this because I get my good coffee. coffee I mean. Coffee. Not that work coffee is bad. It's just <laughs> it's not what I would normally drink. So I yeah. no, it's it's bad. I <laughs> I have a little French press at my desk. I make my own coffee at the at the office. I'm very, I'm very bougie. So yes, very. Um, I think we know the answer to this because we saw it before we started recording. But cats or dogs? Cats. Um, do you have a favorite food? Oof. My mom and I were talking once recently, she and I are a lot alike, and we were starting to think of the foods that we couldn't live without. And then we decided that if we had some good salted almonds, some chocolate and cheese, mm -hmm. we'd be fine. And then of course we started adding champagne and you know, nicely roasted asparagus. But um, I don't have a favorite food, but I'm definitely sweet over savory. Like I love savory, but if I had to rule out one, I would, stick with my cookies and brownies the author i was interviewing earlier today said red wine and it was i was like that's perfect i love that it was yeah yep. that was a good yep. answer uh last one of these if you could have dinner with anyone alive or dead who would you pick oh my gosh okay so this is another so i had this question when i was in high school and i remember so clearly i was a sophomore in high school I went to this private school in Atlanta. All the kids were smart and thoughtful. And I said, I, I, I gave the dumbest answer. I said, oh, phooey. Who's the lead singer for The Who? <laughs> I know, it was ridiculous. What is his name? I think it's Peter Townsend. Is that Peter Townsend? I said yeah. something like Peter Townsend, and it was stupid. And then it get, got to be Stephen Miller's turn, and he said, Jesus Christ. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would have been much, much better answer. It would have been really interesting to talk to Jesus Christ. It would not be all that interesting to talk to Pete Townsend. Um, you know what? I'll say for right now, I was going to say Flannery O'Connor, but I get the sense that she might be a little bit prickly, and we might not have a very good discussion, although I love her writing. Mm -mm 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 -mm. All right, why not Stephen King? If 
Ah, that's hard too because everybody's asked of everything in the world about writing already. So his answer would probably be kind of tired. Um, I'm struggling with this one. I respect the thought you're putting into it. I'll be honest. I do too. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> all right, the other two. I'll, all right, I'll leave it with two. Um, Agatha Christie, because I bet she was a firecracker. And Kurt Vonnegut, because he's just, his brain encompasses the world. Those are good. That's really Those good. are good, yeah. Um, okay, last question for you. What do you hope readers take away from reading this boy? Oh, man. Okay, so, <laughs> <laughs> so much, because this book is seriously like my heart poured onto the page. Um, I hope that they take away for that, that even in this time when it's so wonderful that we're embracing diversity and options for young women have, have opened up beautifully and I'm a hundred percent for that, There's, you know, in favor of that, obviously. But I think that watching my own sons, I think it feels a little bit weird to be a white, middle-class, heterosexual male when everybody is telling you that you're now the bad guy. And they're thinking, well, I, I kind of came into this game, you know, they're, they're not, you know, they're young adults still. So I guess I want to say one, one takeaway is we're all people. All of us have problems that we struggle with, emotions that we struggle with, and, and, and to respect that on every level. And also, you know, some people's problems look huge and dramatic, and they are, but just being a human, period, is tricky. I don't know any human in the world who hasn't felt alone or isolated or not seen or not heard. So I guess I want the book to do that, to say, hey, you guys out there who are feeling unseen, give this a shot. And also um, the book deals with addiction. And so I do very much want to say to the people who are out there reading it, that for the addicts who don't look like a stereotypical addict, you know, for, for a kid who might've fallen into a substance abuse without meaning to, I mean, really, actually everybody does it without meaning to, nobody chooses to be an addict. And to say to moms, to dads, to kids, to other people, listen, this is how, this is one way it can happen. This kid can be super sweet and awesome and amazing and still fall into something that screws his life over. And to maybe, walk away from the book with more compassion for what that person might have been going through and, and for the person who is going through it right then to say, hey, you think you're alone because nobody likes to talk about this because it seems so shameful, but you are not alone. Readers can sample and borrow the titles mentioned in today's episode from Overdrive.com and our library friends can purchase these titles in Marketplace. Professional Book Nerds is proud to be an Evergreen Podcast signature program. To learn about other Evergreen podcasts, visit evergreenpodcasts.com. Our podcast is produced, recorded, and edited by Adam Sokol and Jill Grunewald and presented by Rakuten Overdrive. For more information, visit professionalbooknerds.com. Life's better with American Family Insurance. Because our home policies help protect your dreams and come with peace of mind. Save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote, find an agent at amfam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit amfam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.